Section 13 of Buff, A Collie, and Other Dog Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. Buff, A Collie, and Other Dog Stories by Albert Payson Terhune. Human Interest Stuff, Part 2. His general curiosity sated, Titus fell to examining the dogs which were to be Robin's competitors, and at once his mountaineer scowl merged into a grin. Here, forsooth, was nothing wherewith the splendid Robin need fear comparison. Why, of all the nineteen collies on exhibition, there was not one within three inches of Robin's height, nor one which bore any real resemblance to him. These others were strongly slender chaps, with thin heads and tapering noses and tulip ears and slant eyes, whereas Robin's mighty head was almost as broad and heavy as a Newfoundland's. His ears were pricked like a wolf's, and his honest brown eyes were large and round. No, most assuredly he was not in the very least like any other collie entered in the show, or in any exhibition of thoroughbreds since the birth of time poor old robin adair was probably more collie than anything else he may even have been a shade more than half collie but in his veins ran also the mixed blood of many another breed newfoundland predominating look over there jeff heard a dapper collie handler in a linen duster say in guarded tones to a woman who was sifting talcum powder into her golden white collie pup's fluffy coat over at bench eighty nine what is that thing a dog or a hippopotamus as the woman turned to observe the luckless robin, Jeff Titus strolled across to the man who had called her attention to the dog. His eyes were glinting flares behind their lowered lids, and his lips twisted into something which looked like a smile and wasn't. He said softly, "'Beggin' you all's pardon, mister. What was you a-happenin' to call my dog?' The man in the linen duster gave one lance at the leathern face, peering down so intensely into his. Then, shakily, he made reply, "'I—I I wasn't speaking of your dog, sir. I was speaking of the dog in the next bench to his. I—I I read the number wrong. For yours is a—a—a a, a, a grand collie, sir.' He gulped and sped down the aisles on a new-remembered errand somewhere. Jeff turned back to Rob, and his mind freed of its momentary angry doubt. The collie classes were called a few minutes later. The first to be judged were, as usual, the male puppies. Jeff, watching the performance of the entrance, saw how the judging was done. First the dogs were made to march around the ring. Then, in ones or twos, they were placed on the platform while the little tweed-clad judge studied them and felt them all over. After that the judge wrote certain numbers in the ring steward's book and handed to the owner of the winning dog a blue ribbon. A red ribbon went to the owner of the second best, a yellow ribbon to the third, and a white ribbon to the fourth. Every one of the several collie classes, it seemed, must be judged in that same deliberate way, before the winners of all classes could compete for a rosette, whose acquisition meant also the winning of the silver cup. Jeff began to chafe at the needless delay which must ensue before Robin could receive his merited prize. Then, directly after the judging of the puppies, came the novice class. Along with only two other entries, Jeff Titus led the majestically unconcerned Robin into the ring. As he passed, a titter swept the quadruple line of railbirds outside the enclosure. Jeff did not so much as look about him to locate the cause of the mirth. These fool city folks were always laughing at nothing. Nor did he note the glare, almost of horror, which the little tweed-clad judge bestowed upon Robin, as Eve's adored pet paced into the ring. The judge eyed him with much the expression one might expect to see in the visage of a Supreme Court justice who has been asked to hand down an official opinion on a nursery rhyme. "'Walk your dogs, please,' rasped the judge. The parade started. Robin strolled unconcernedly at his lanky master's side. As he was not a thoroughbred, his nerves were not of the hair-trigger order. 
the racket and the crowd and the new surroundings did not excite or terrify or make him profoundly miserable as they did some of the high-strung collies about him jeff observed this calm demeanor and was proud of his dog's bearing the parade was halted the judge motioned robin's two competitors to the platform squinted at them for a moment ran his hand over them examined the spring of their ribs then their teeth and various other details stood back and studied them then handed to the owner of one a blue ribbon and to the other a red the third prize yellow ribbon he tossed back onto the steward's table the winners of the first and second prizes departed with their collies the steward chalked up the next class on the blackboard but jeff titus did not leave the ring eyes bulging cheeks slowly turning from tan to brick hue he strode over to the judge look a here you he rumbled in a blend of wrath and dazed incredulity what's the mean of this year are you aimin to double cross me my dog's worth ten of them orny critters he's a heap bigger and huskier and he's purtier to look at too what the blue blazes do y'all mean by treatin him this away you hard-biled shrimp he with much dignity the little judge turned his back on the angry titus and started across the ring but before he had gone two steps jeff was once more confronting him look a here snarled titus again striving to keep himself in hand i ain't going to lay down under no frame-up you judged crooked with my dog i can prove it even if you didn't have the sense to see he was the best of the whole bellin you was bound to anyhow to give him the yaller ribbon for third prize and i was bound to do nothing of the sort rapped out the exasperated judge i am here to judge collies not dinosaurs i refuse to countenance the claim that your dog is a collie by giving him a third prize ribbon even in a class of three so in this class i have deliberately withheld the third prize your dog is not a collie the lord alone knows what he is but he's no collie that's all clear out for a man with heart or imagination there is no ordeal more irksome than to judge dogs for in almost every division there is some such beast as robin adair a dog loved by his owners who know nothing of shows or of show points a judge in fairness to the better exhibits must pass over these poor animals and thereby must cause heartache and shame to their pathetic owners it is not a pleasant task nor is any phase of dog judging pleasant it is a thankless and nerve-wracking job at best and it has a magic quality of turning one's friends into enemies the little judge at the Danica show was hardened by long practice also he had all the bristling pluck of a rat terrier and he needed it in facing this lean giant in whose slit eyes the murder light was beginning to smoulder jeff half extended one windmill arm in the general direction of the judge's throat then he checked himself it was going to be bad enough to slink home with no cup but it would be tenfold worse to go to the huskow for mayhem he pictured sick eve's grief over such a disgrace and his clenched hand dropped again to his side grappling with his temper the mountaineer wheeled about and led the disqualified robin out of the ring and back to the bench a sweet mess he had made of everything he and that parson up yonder they had wrought on eve's hopes and made her so gloriously confident that her dear dog was going to sweep all before him and win the cup she was lying at home this minute her big eyes shining with anticipation her vivid mind picturing the triumph scene at the show how confidently she would be waiting for that cup jeff had sought so enthusiastically to work out steer's theory of a good news cure and how was the experiment to result he must go home on the morrow and tell eve not only that he had no cup to show her but that the judge had actually refused robin a third prize ribbon on the grounds that the dog was a mongrel what effect was that news going to have on a sick woman whose swift recovery depended on her spirits knowing eve as he did jeff was ready to believe it would undo most of her hard-won convalescence and at the very least in her weak state it was certain to make her cry jeff would rather have faced a machine-gun nest than make his gallant little sweetheart cry 
he began to swear very softly but very very zealously and then his resourceful mountaineer brain unlimbered and went into action presently he arose from the bench patted robin absent-mindedly on the head and slouched off towards the end of the hall where in a high glass case were displayed the prize cups and the other trophies long and minutely he scanned the glittering prizes especially the cup engraved best collie and he spelled out the printed legend over the case which proclaimed that the cups were supplied by the long-famous jewelry firm of pincus bernstein of republic street dunica kentucky ten minutes later leaving robin to shift for himself on his bench jeff was hiking towards the business streets of the mountain metropolis he paused for a space at the bank where he had a carefully scraped together little account and he drew forth a goodly share of that sum then he made his way to the jewelry store after a half hour of dickering he emerged from the shop bearing a bumpy parcel returning to the agricultural hall he seated himself once more on the narrow bench beside the exultantly welcoming robin and proceeded to unwind the tissue wrappings of his package robin looked on in mild curiosity his sense of smell had already told the dog that the parcel contained nothing of vital interest to him yet because he had been lonely and a little worried by jeff's long absence robin evinced a polite concern in the undoing of the wrappings the last layer of paper was removed to the dog's view was exposed a huge and gleaming silver cup a cup with much chasing on its polished surface and with three handles and an ebony base it was at least double the size of the cup offered by the committee for best collie see that questioned titus holding the trophy aloft for robin's inspection forty-one dollars that set me back and it had been a heap more only it was left over and had that one little gouge under the age robin if that cup don't tickle her something terrible i'm a clay eater y'all won this year vase to-day robin by bein best collie just keep a rememberin that i ain't never put nothin over on her before y'all knows that robbie but i reckon it's worth doin this year time she he paused in his low-pitched confidence to the blinking, sympathizing dog. Two men had just halted in front of him. One of them was carrying an apparatus which Movie Camp Memories told Jeff was a camera. It chanced to be a moment when no less than two winners' classes were on in the show rings. Accordingly, the ringsides were banked deep with onlookers, and this secluded section of the aisles was almost wholly stripped of spectators. That was why Jeff had ventured to bring forth the cup from its wrappings the sight of the two keenly interested men set him to scowling in dire embarrassment the chairman of the dog show committee was also one of the chief stockholders of the Danica chronicle wherefore the dictum had gone forth to the chronicle city room that the show was to be played up big in both morning and evening editions and the paper's best descriptive writer one graham had been assigned to do some human interest stuff about it in addition to the sporting editor's regulation account graham was a good reporter and he had a genius for human interest yarns but of dogs he knew little and of dog shows he knew even less yet gleaning such information on the subject as he could he had set forth for the show this morning taking along the paper's sole photographer after pausing near the front entrance to accustom their ears to the frightful din and to take a snapshot of the trophy case the two newspaper men had wandered down the first aisle into which their non-enthusiastic feet had chanced to stray there suddenly graham saw one of the human interest bits for which he was always hunting midway in an aisle labeled collie section sat a tired man a typical mountaineer beside a huge collie and to the civilly interested dog the mountaineer was exhibiting pridefully a silver cup larger than any in the trophy case he was talking to the dog too in a confidential whisper evidently telling the collie what a splendid victory he had scored and how proud of him his master was here was human interest stuff if ever graham had seen it cup for best collie in the show asked graham of the scowling hillbilly yep snapped jeff titus defiantly 
"'Good boy!' exclaimed Graham, seeking by effusive geniality to break down the mountaineer's surly reserve. "'He's sure one peach of a dog. What's his name, and what's yours?' "'His name,' said Jeff, with perilous courtesy, "'is Robin. Robin Adair. He belongs to my wife, Miss Jeff Titus, up Keatsville way. She's sick to home. I'm showing him for her. Got any more questions to pester me with before—' "'Would you mind holding up the cup a second? wheedled Graham, scribbling with a chewed pencil on a doubled wad of copy-paper. "'So, thanks!' Still defiantly, Jeff had held forward the cup for inspection, his free arm around the majestic Robin's shoulders. The camera clicked. Titus did not hear it through the noise of a hundred barks and yelps. Besides, he was focusing his indignant attention on this slick-spoken opponent of his. "'Wall,' he demanded truculently, "'any more y'all wants of me? He's our dog, and he's good enough for us. If y'all don't like him none—' "'But I do,' effused Graham. "'A great dog, Mr. Titus, and—' "'His eye running along the collie section. "'He must be close to championship standard "'to have beaten all these beauties. "'I'd like to ask you—' "'I ain't got nothing more to say,' growled Jeff, half-rising, "'and his yellow eye-tooth began to show under his uncurling lip. "'And if y'all is aiming to start trouble about this year cup—' "'Graham was not aiming to start trouble. "'Not at all did he like the new expression, "'nor the voice of this sulking hillbilly he had sought to patronize.' With a signal to the photographer, he moved rapidly away, continuing his progress down the aisle. Jeff glared after him. If the man were going to inform the committee that Titus had bought a cup when he had not been able to win one, why, let him do it. Jeff wasn't going to run away, so he held his ground, feeling very wrathful, but somewhat scared. He restored the cup to its wrappings. It would be handier to carry it that way, should he be ejected from the show on account of his fraud. But no one ejected him except that people paused now and then through the course of the day to stare amusedly at poor robin and to straighten their faces in comical haste as they encountered jeff's glower no one molested titus at four in the afternoon jeff's raw nerves could stand the strain no longer untying robin from the bench he led him to the entrance of the hall there he sought the superintendent of the show when can me and my dog get out in here and traipse home he asked no dog is supposed to leave the building before ten o'clock to-night when the show ends replied the superintendent adding with a cryptic glance at robin but i don't think i need hold your entry to those rules go when you like the cup under his arm and robin at his heels jeff departed he had come to town on muleback the dog running alongside even at the best pace he could scarce hope to get home very much before midnight he had come to Danica on the preceding day and had planned to stay until next morning. But already his imagination was afire with the thought of bursting in on Eve that very night with the glittering trophy. So he bent his steps towards the stable where he housed his mule. Across the fairgrounds from the cityward gate, a bevy of bare-legged newsboys was scampering with armfuls of newspapers, copies of the Chronicle's first afternoon edition. One of them ran past Jeff. Jeff's keen mountaineer eyes chanced on a dark blotch near the bottom of the swaying sheet's first page. With an unbelieving gasp, he stopped short in his tracks and bawled to the fleeing newsboy to come back. The boy returned, holding out the paper. Jeff snatched it from him, riveting his incredulous gaze upon that dark blotch on the front page. The blotch, at close range, resolved itself into a two-column cut, a picture of Robin lying majestically at full length in his bench, his trustful gaze fixed on the lank man who squatted beside him and who held aloft an ornate silver cup. Above the cut ran the caption, a prize winner and his prize beneath the picture were the lines mrs jeff titus robin adair winner of cup for best collie in show doubled in single column space under this was one of the two stick human interest stories with which graham was wont to strew the chronicle's pages jeff's fascinated eyes tore themselves from the picture and caught a glimpse of his own name midway of this explanatory yarn he read the sentence containing the name then the next line or so slowly and painfully he spelled out 
mr titus exhibited the dog for his wife who is ill at their keatsville home with characteristic mountaineer modesty mr titus refused to sound his splendid exhibit's praises when congratulated by throngs of admirers who paid homage to the peerless robin adair mr titus's sole comment on robin's sensational victory was he's good enough for us robin adair was good enough for the judges too and good enough to win over one of the finest aggregations of high-bred collies ever shown in this part of the south the brief story switched back to the human interest note to the man's evident rapture in the triumph of his sick wife's pet and his shy pride in the magnificent cup but jeff read no more just then whirling on the impatiently waiting newsboy he demanded thickly give me all them newspapers you're totin and then scuttle off and fetch me a dozen more scat again he stared in idiotic bliss at the smudged two-column cut what did it matter to jeff titus that the picture and its erroneous caption were to be lifted out of the next edition and that graham was to incur the sharpest call-down of his career for the break he had made not three copies of the chronicle a week made their way to keatsville and even should the next day's full account of the dog show reach the titus region no mountaineer in the state would possess the technical show lore to decipher the cryptic summary of wins and thus learn of robin's defeat no in the mountains the printed word was accepted as gospel fact by those who had education to read it and its pictures were accepted as such by those who had not bothered to master the effete arts of reading and writing jeff was going to take home enough papers to go around the whole sparse neighborhood in addition to those which were to be mailed to eve's people at louisville and to any other distant kin or friends of hers not in the very least did jeff titus understand the meaning of this newspaper tribute nor did he bother his overwrought brain about it he had the required good news for eve he had printed and pictured proofs thereof if this didn't help along her tardy cure by leaps and bounds i ain't never lied to her yet robin he informed the prize winner as they ambled homeward at dusk over the purpling miles of hilly trail nor yet i don't aim to now we'll walk in on her with the cup and when she asks all pleased and tickled like why whatever is this year for we'll just stick a copy of the newspaper up in front of her i'm bettin the recordin angel is due to strain his poor ears till they ache him if he lots on catchin me tellin a lie to that god-blessed gal end of section thirteen recording by denise nordell modesto california